have the questions to the Prime Minister, Liz Blackman. Number one, Mr Speaker. Mr. Speaker, before listing my engagements, I'm sure the whole House will wish to join me in sending our profound condolences to the families and to the friends of the servicemen killed in Afghanistan since we last met. Sergeant Christopher Reed of 6th Battalion, the Rifles, Corporal Robert Deering, Liam Elms, Lance Corporal Ben Watley, Marine Travis Mackin, all from the Royal Marines. Afghanistan is the front line against the Taliban. These were brave and committed men dedicated to their country and to their colleagues, and I know the whole House will agree with me that we owe them and all who have lost their lives all our gratitude for all their services. Their lives will be remembered with pride. Mr. Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further meetings uh, later today. I'll be meeting President Sarkozy this evening, visiting Chancellor Merkel on Thursday, and looking at what we can do to work for a ceasefire in Gaza, as well as what the G20 will be able to do to deal with the global financial crisis. Liz Blackman. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, I thank my right honourable friend for his answer, and may I also offer my condolences to the families affected. Today's announcement on support for small businesses will help some firms in Erewash and will crucially help my constituents stay in work. However, can he reassure me that this help that is on offer will be properly targeted and focused on the businesses that need it most? I'm grateful to my, my friend who has been a great supporter of business in our constituency. This is real help for business now. It is targeted and focused, it is funded, and it is additional to what has been done before. It is real help to small businesses who are looking uh, for help with their overdrafts or looking to invest in the future. It is real help for businesses who are looking for working capital over the next year, and that will increase the supply of that by £10 billion. It is real help for high technology firms. It is real help for high technology firms who want their debt uh, replaced by equity and we will buy shares in their companies and there will be real help with credit insurance. This is real help now to deal with specific problems, real help that is funded by government. Planted question, copied policy. What a, what a pity they didn't agree to a parliamentary statement to announce a good Conservative policy. Can I, can I join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to Marine Travis Makin, to Sergeant Chris Reid, to Corporal Leon Elms, Lance Corporal Benjamin Watley and Corporal Robert Deering that so many lives have been lost in the last four weeks is a poignant reminder of the sacrifices our troops are making in Afghanistan on our country's behalf and we pay tribute to them all. At the start of this year, I would like to give the Prime Minister a chance to be straight about the recession that he said we would never have. Will he now finally admit that he was completely wrong to say he had abolished boom and bust? That was wrong, wasn't it? Speaker, this is a global financial crisis. And, and, and Mr. Mr. Speaker, it is happening in America, in Europe, in every part of the world. And let me, let me tell them one thing. Nobody is copying the Conservative Party economic policy. We like to think people are. 
France, France is not copying the Conservative policy. Germany is not copying the Conservative economic policy. The present administration in America is not copying the Conservative policy. The future government in America is not copying the Conservative Party. No one except him is proposing we cut public spending at this time. Mr. Speaker, the whole Conservative Party policy is to cut public spending when they need it. You cannot fund support for business without the public expenditure to make it possible. The whole Conservative strategy is to cut when we need to invest. The Prime Minister says no one's copying our policies in a week when he's announced a pair limitation of our jobs package and a pair limitation of our loans package. It's not a butler they need in Downing Street, it's a photocopier. Doesn't doesn't the Prime Minister, doesn't the Prime Minister, on boom and bust, on boom and bust, doesn't the Prime Minister understand that because he cannot be frank about the past, no one will believe him about the future? And isn't that one of the reasons why it's so difficult to get confidence back in the economy? Now, evidence of how deep this recession is is now mounting up. Nearly 10,000 more jobs lost in the last week, 10 more firms going bust compared with a year ago, and the worst survey since records began. Now, the forecast he made just seven weeks ago was that the economy would start to grow again at the end of June. Is the Prime Minister willing to repeat that forecast again today? I've said everywhere that depends on the level of international cooperation that we can get. Let me also say, he says we're copying his policy on unemployment. He wants to abolish the New Deal. The New Deal is the basis of helping the unemployed. He wants to cut the budget of the Department of Work and Pensions when it needs to do more to help the unemployed. You can pluck any figure out of the air about help you want to give to business, but if there is no money behind it and no possibility of funding, and you want to cut the budget of the Department of Business that is doing the funding, then it adds up to nothing. It is a do-nothing policy. That is the Conservative Party. The point is the Prime Minister is achieving nothing. Yeah. Now, the Prime, Minister, the, the Prime Minister wouldn't repeat, the whole House will have heard, the Prime Minister will not repeat the forecast that the Chancellor gave just seven weeks ago. Now, the explicit reason that the Chancellor gave in his pre-budget report for his forecast being more optimistic than almost anybody else was his measure to cut value-added tax. Now, this VAT cut has been condemned by retailers, attacked as fatuous by the former trade minister, and ridiculed by shoppers. Worse than that, it is adding £12.5 billion to government debt. Isn't it now clear that the centrepiece of the government's strategy to fight the recession is an expensive failure? Mr Speaker, we raised the pension by £60. They opposed it. We raised child benefit from January 1st. They opposed it. We're raising tax allowances in April. They opposed it. What we are doing is investing more in the economy. They're opposing it. And as for, and as for VAT, which, 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 which incidentally was promoted not just by us, but by the former Chancellor, the member for Rushmore, and, 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 and Lord, Lord, Lord Lamont, if there were to be any tax cuts, my first candidate would be VAT. So the Conservative Party is not exactly united on this. He may think, he may think, he may think, he may think uh, VAT is unimportant. But at the end of every week, 
the typical family has more than £5 extra in their pocket. Now, it may not matter to the people on the opposite bench that £5 extra is in their pocket. That's £275 a year as a result of the cut in VAT. But that is more money for everyone in the community, not just for the few that they support. And it is more money so that people can make the choices about what they spend. Now, take together all the measures we have taken and look at every other country in the world. They want a fiscal expansion. The Conservative Party are the only party wanting public spending cuts. They are out of touch with the rest of the world. They are completely isolated. There, there is no other country. There, there is no other country in the world proposing to cut 2.5% off VAT. There's no other country in the world having to put up taxes on people earning 19 and 20,000 pounds because it's so bankrupt. It's the Prime Minister who's completely isolated. Now, I thought, I, I thought, Mr. Speaker, I thought, Mr. Speaker, that he might mention the former Chancellor, the member for Rushcliffe. Uh, my forecast is slightly better than his. And I checked, I checked what he said on the day of the pre-budget report. He said that the fiscal stimulus was, and I quote, not affordable, a reckless gamble, would make the recession worse and the recovery long and painful. Let us look. That is what he said. And by the way, and by the way, this was the Chancellor that gave this Prime Minister a golden inheritance that he ruined. No, only the Prime Minister could smile at ruining a golden inheritance. Let's look at what retailers say. Let's look at what the retailers say about this VAT cut. The head of Marks and Spencers says the VAT cut has not made a material difference. The head of Sainsbury's describes it as an annoyance. These are the very people it was meant to help, yet they are condemning it. Isn't it, isn't it time to admit that he's wasted £12.5 billion in an appallingly expensive failure? Let's be clear, first of all, about what the former Chancellor said. I may be in a minority, but I would look at a temporary reduction in VAT, which is the best way of stimulating spending, consumer spending, which helps businesses, and that is exactly what he said. And so did Lord Lamont. But my point is, we have spent £1 billion on this. It is a tax cut for the whole year, which adds up to £12 billion. It is £275 in people's pockets as a result of the effect on the typical family. He may think it's irrelevant, but people in my constituency and other constituents think it's important. He opposes, remember, the £60 increase in pension. He opposes the rise in child benefit that we brought about. He opposes a fiscal stimulus because he wants to cut public spending. He is totally on the wrong side of the argument. Even the monetarists in America are now supporting the need for the stimulus. And if he wants to be outside the consensus about what needs to be done, let it be. But people will remember, at a time of difficulty for the British people, they wanted to cut the very services on which the British people depend. It's, it's not that I think the VAT cut is irrelevant. It's that the leaders of the retail chains, of the biggest chains in Britain, all think it's not working and it's irrelevant. The truth is that the government's policies are achieving nothing. They announced a stamp duty holiday and the housing market got worse. They announced a bank bailout, yet the banks aren't lending. They announced a job summit on the day when thousands of jobs were lost. It's not just, it is not just that the Prime Minister is running round like a headless chicken 
one bogus announcement to the other we're doing nothing for confidence isn't the worst thing of all this by spending 12 and a half billion pounds by cutting VAT isn't he just building up debts for Britain's children in a vain attempt to save his own skin Mr Speaker the only party that can help Britain's children is the party that is increasing child benefit investing in the child trust fund investing in sure start investing in nursery education all the programs that the conservative party will cut i hope i hope the conservative party will wake up to an economic reality that you cannot promise you cannot promise 50 billion pounds to business and then say it's going to be funded by absolutely nothing that is a do-nothing policy. They are the do-nothing party. They would leave people defenceless in the face of a global financial crisis. Other countries won't do that. We won't back, walk by on the other side. They would. We will not. Hundreds of thousands of innocent Tamil civilians are currently under siege in Sri Lanka because of the aerial bombardment by the Sri Lankan government. Last Sunday, the editor of the leading newspaper was assassinated. He said in an obituary written before he was killed that this was due to the forces of the government. Will the Prime Minister please use his good offices, either unilaterally or through the European Union, to call for a ceasefire so that all those involved in this conflict stop their violence, so that peace can return to this beautiful island. I know uh, myself from talking to the Right Honourable Member uh, on many occasions about this, how strongly he feels about what's happening in Sri Lanka. I agree with him about the terrible violence uh, that is happening there. I also agree with him about the need for a ceasefire. I will be talking to President Sarkozy and Chancellor Merkel, and this will be one of the issues I will raise with them as well. Thank you, Clegg. Mr. Speaker, I'd like to add my own uh, expressions of sympathy and condolence to the family and friends of Corporal Robert Deering, Lance Corporal Ben Watley, Corporal Liam Elms, Sergeant Christopher Reed, and Marine Travis Mackett, all of whom tragically lost their lives serving this country and the people of Afghanistan in Helmand Province. Mr. Speaker, taxpayers have already had to sink. £37 billion into our banks to get them lending again. So today, they'll be wondering why on earth they should risk a further £10 billion just to get the banks to do what they promised to do in the first place. So why is the Prime Minister playing copycat with the leader of the Conservatives when he should be playing hardball with the banks? Uh, Mr Speaker, I've just explained that the Conservative scheme is completely unfunded. And I think he better look at what he would put up to help people in this difficult situation. As far as the banks are concerned, the ten billion is working capital that will go to firms over the course of the next year. The business guarantee scheme is to help firms who are wanting to convert their overdrafts into loans or need investment capital. We will buy shares in high technology companies that have a viable future so that they can transfer the debt into equity. Now these are the things that we can do practically. And let me just say uh, since November, already 20,000 firms have benefited uh, from the cash flow promises that we made in the budget uh, that we would give uh, a deferral of taxation uh, to people who were facing uh, a need for working capital or for cash flow. So far from not taking action, 20,000 20, firms have already benefited. Mr. Speaker, here's what he should do. He should... He should... He 
should stop. He should stop telling the banks. He should stop telling the banks to both hoard cash and lend it out at the same time. And he should use one of the part nationalised banks as a state bank to lend money directly to viable British businesses. I put this to him right here two months ago, and he didn't listen. Isn't it time? Isn't it time he did? Yeah. Mr. Speaker, I admire his certainty, but let me just say this. Let me just say this about uh, we have asked the two banks in which we've got shares that they maintain the lending of 2007, which was a high level of lending for them, both to businesses and to mortgage lenders. And that, I believe, is what they are doing at the moment. And we are monitoring them every week for what they do. As far as further conditions for the banks, so that we can actually get more lending into the economy, making available the money we have today, which will go to small businesses themselves, is an important element of helping small businesses through these uh, difficulties. But we will not hesitate to look at other measures that are necessary to get the financial system moving. All around the world, people have recapitalized the banks. All around the world, getting the funding moving is the important question. I believe the measures we are taking today will make a difference, but we will not hesitate to take further measures when they're necessary. Jeremy Corbyn. Will the Prime Minister bear in mind that the Israeli forces in the past three weeks have killed a thousand people in Gaza, 300 of whom are children, denied medical aid, denied food, denied energy and blockaded the people during the past year? These are war crimes. They have uh, committed acts against the people of Gaza that ought to be referred to the International Criminal Court. Will the Prime Minister join calls to ensure that takes place? Mr. Speaker, we took action in drafting the resolution that went through the United Nations last uh, week. Uh, and words cannot describe uh, the, the feeling that families will have as a child dies or at the level of civilian deaths and casualties and the displacement of 90,000 people in, in Gaza. But what our resolution sought to do was to call for an immediate ceasefire, to recognize the damage that had been uh, done and was being done, to call for humanitarian action, something I repeated when I talked to uh, Prime Minister Olmert and asked for humanitarian access to be increased uh, last night, and then to take the action that is necessary to achieve a ceasefire. And the reason that we supported this uh, measure at the United, United Nations was because the Arab countries were also prepared to sign up to two things that are very important to any sustainable ceasefire. And that is uh, an end to, to the arms trafficking and particularly the destruction of the tunnels in Gaza. And I talked to President Mubarak yesterday about what we can do and how we can help them achieve that. Uh, and, 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 and secondly, of course, the opening of the – I think this is important – the opening of the crossings where we will need international support to execute uh, that opening. And again, it is important that we have the Arab League countries as well as the other countries who signed that motion uh, in support of us. In other words, we're doing everything we can to make possible an immediate ceasefire. I'm in bonds. In July 2007, the Prime Minister promised to lay before Parliament an annual report detailing ministers' interests. Why, 18 months later, are we still waiting for one? Yeah. Speaker, if it hasn't been done, it will be done. Mr Speaker, can I uh, congratulate my right honourable friend on the publication of the New Opportunities White Paper. Can I also ask him if he agrees, and I've got an instinct on this one, if he agrees that, uh, the, that, that social uh, mobility is of course a matter of social justice, but it's also a matter of simple economic common sense. Yeah. Mr Speaker, I, I would have thought there would be all party support for the New Opportunities White Paper. 
It's after all about helping uh, children, particularly infants, get the best possible chance in life by extending uh, playgroups, sure start and nursery education. It's about giving people the best teachers at the schools and giving people the chance to get the benefit of the best education that is possible. It's getting the chances for more people to go into university and into college and into apprenticeships. And there were very precise announcements yesterday about what that can happen and what can happen. And it's about giving people a second chance if they've missed out at the beginning. I'm sorry that the Conservative Party could not support the new opportunities white paper. But again, they would cut spending in the very areas that we need to expand for the sake of both the society we live in and the economy of the country. John Randall. The Prime Minister will recall on the 27th of February last year at column 1082, he said, the message should go out today very clearly that decisions in this country should be made in the chamber of this House and not on the roof of this House. Will he now make a pledge if there's any further expansion at Heathrow, we'll have a vote in this chamber. Yeah. Yeah. Mr Speaker, he, he, I think, knows the procedure that we are following on this. First, first, first of all, uh, there was a decision in principle subject, subject to air noise, subject uh, to pollution and subject to access. The Secretary of State is examining this matter. He will report to Parliament. There will be a debate about what he says in the questions that follow. And then, if I may say so, if, if the matter was accepted and a proposal was put by the Secretary of State, it would go to a planning inquiry. Will the Prime Minister send best wishes to President-elect Obama for his inauguration next Tuesday? And will he work with him to secure lasting peace in the Middle East? I've had the... Uh, I've had the advantage of talking uh, to President um, Obama about some of these, these issues. I think the whole House uh, will want to, to welcome the new President uh, when he comes in. We hope to work very closely with him. There are major international issues. The first and most immediate is the Middle East. And I believe the relationships between Britain and America will strengthen over the years. Richard Bacon. Uh, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker. 70% of imported pork is produced to animal welfare standards that would be unlawful in this country. Given, uh, given the Environment Secretary's recent comments that we need clearer food labelling, which my food labelling bill, bill with all party support would have provided, does the Prime Minister agree that now is the time for compulsory country of origin labelling to give a fair deal to British consumers, British farmers and British meat? If I may say it was an appropriate question uh, from the aptly named uh, member. The, the Department are in active discussions with all parties on, the, on this issue. We are in discussion also with the supermarkets. We want a, an agreed set of voluntary criteria which will allow consumers to make informed choices and support our farmers. Uh, I believe that UK producers have set the standard for compassionate pig meat uh, production when we introduce new welfare standards. But all EU, welfare states must, uh, all EU member states must be compliant with the new EU legislation, and we will insist that standards be met. James Plaskett. Speaker, uh, for too many of my constituents, the worst consequence of the last recession in the early 90s is they lost their homes as a result of repossession. 
Can my right honourable friend reassure us that in this downturn, either the loss of a job or the dramatic reduction in family incomes will not necessarily result in the loss of the family home? That is why uh, on January the 1st we introduced a new measure. Uh, at a point of 13 weeks when someone becomes unemployed, they will get support directly uh, with the mortgage. And it is a far more generous scheme than we had a few years ago. And our determination is that nobody uh, who is attempting to pay the mortgage uh, will lose their house as a result uh, of uh, uh, being uh, jobless. At the same time, we recognise that people in work where one in the family may not be working may suffer a loss of income as well. And we are looking to the building societies for a moratorium uh, on uh, repossessions. Uh, we're looking for a very precise code that can deal with this uh, uh, problem, and we are prepared to back financially measures that will allow people to extend their mortgages at a time of, of difficulty. I accept that this costs money and it is necessary to fund it. We are prepared to make the funding necessary in the interests of working people. Not all parties, unfortunately, agree with us. Will the Prime Minister confirm that as we face the deepest recession in a quarter of a century, that the project to rebuild St. Helier Hospital, a snip at £150 million, just a hundredth of the amount that was spent on the VAT reduction, will receive his support, will receive the, uh, the signature of his Chancellor on the £150 million cheque at the appropriate moment, providing real jobs for local people and new hospital beds for local patients? Yeah. You're right. This is a major investment that the Trust Board approved. I believe it's £140 million in St. Helier Hospital, and it means a brand new state-of-the-art building which will house the majority of the hospital's wards and clinics. Uh, I believe that the business case has been approved by the PCT and the Acute Trust Board. It's now been submitted uh, for consideration, and then it will be come to the Department of Health for approval. I gather he met the Minister for Health last night to discuss it, and we will ensure that there are no barriers put in the way of the discussion that needs to take place. Gilroy. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I join with those who have paid tribute to those service personnel who have lost their lives and been injured, and particularly speak for the Plymouth MPs, that our thoughts are with the close friends and family of Marine uh, Mackin. Uh, the Prime Minister earlier referred to the measures now, including VAT reduction, to help, to give real help to my constituents. But can he also assure the House that he will continue with high levels of investment in schools, in hospitals and in infrastructure? Yeah. Mr Speaker, we are investing £10 billion more in the coming year than last year on, on public investment. There will be more investment in our schools and in our education than at any time in our history this year and then next year. The, same, uh, the, 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 the Leader of the Opposition says there will be a lot less uh, next year. Yes, there will be a lot less if he was in power. The, fa the, the, fact, the, fact, the fact of the matter is there will be a lot more as a result of the decisions we have made. And there is, there is clearly a philosophical difference here. We believe at a time of difficulty it is our duty to help people and to help people through a downturn. We believe we have learned from the mistakes that they made in the 1990s and 1980s about what it is right to do. And we will not desert people at a time of need. We will invest. And it's unfortunate that there is not an all-party consensus on that. Sir yeah. Michael Spacer. Yeah. Is he still on for an early general election? <laughs> Mr Speaker, I've said there's no plans for that. And I say again that there's no plans. And Snellgrove. Uh, several thousand people in Swindon are directly or indirectly employed by the motor industry. 
Um, much help has already been given by the Regional Development Agency and the Government Office, but what further plans does my right honourable friend have to help this important industry in the, during the global economic downturn? My friend is absolutely right, and she's a Member of Parliament uh, for, for Swindon. There are two issues facing the car industry at the moment. One is a shortage. One is a sh they laugh when we talk about the car industry. One is a shortage. One is a shortage of demand for cars. The second, the second is the, the availability of credit for people buying their cars. Now, we have been talking to the various car companies. We will make announcements in due course. But these two problems have got to be uh, dealt with. The car credit problem, that, that is loans for car purchase, it's basically a market that is outside the traditional banking industry, and we have to look at what we can do so that that market doesn't freeze in the way that other markets have. Now, this is a, a detailed and technical question about how we can get help into the car loan industry, but we are looking at that very carefully. Some firms in the car industry have already asked us about help for training uh, skilled workers so that they can rebuild and build their skills during the period of downturn and we are also prepared to do that. In other words, we will do what we can to help. Gregory Campbell. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Next week, uh, the new President of the United States of America takes up office. What other differences are there between them, apart from the Prime Minister inadvertently saying that he has already saved the world and the President saying that he needs to? Mr. Mr. Speaker, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to working uh, with President Obama. Let me also pay a tribute to what uh, President Bush has done, because he was the first to realize the importance of dealing with international terrorism after September the 11th, 2001. Uh, but a new, a new administration uh, has policies for a fiscal uh, stimulus that will help Northern Ireland as well as the rest of the United Kingdom. If all the economies can work together in coordination, then the benefit of what we do individually can be magnified a great deal. So I'm, uh, I believe that the work that the Obama administration is about to do uh, to build a stronger economy will be complemented by what we can do in Europe, what China and other countries uh, can do. And I believe the consensus throughout the world will be not only that we needed to recapitalize the banks, but we need the very fiscal stimulus that unfortunately all sides of this House cannot support. Yeah. Minister may be aware that DK Eyewitness, um, the world's best-selling guidebook, recently declared Bristol one of the world's top ten cities to visit in 2009. And he's more than welcome to check out their recommendation for himself at any time he wishes. More importantly, we've also been shortlisted for European Green Capital of the Year and have been voted the UK's most sustainable city. Does he agree with me and the people of Bristol that green jobs and sustainable development are the way forward out of this economic downturn? Yeah, yeah. I'm grateful. I look forward to visiting Bristol very, very soon. Um, on the environment, she's absolutely right that I believe coming out of this uh, downturn, uh, one of the uh, triggers for further growth can be investment in the environment. We are going to invest in uh, green jobs, we are going to invest in environmental technologies. On that we have an agenda in common with President Obama and I do believe that when we meet in, uh, at the G20 in April, there will be a general agreement that one of the ways that we can increase uh, demand in the world economy and great, great jobs for the future is by investing in our environmental industries and we will certainly do that. Order. Urgent question. Alan Duncan.